0: Hello and welcome to London Coronavirus Podcast, the only daily independent pod of its kind in the business. And today is pod number 30, ladies and gentlemen. 30 in 30 days. Yes, we got there. Thank you very much to all our loyal listeners so much for being part of the journey so far, especially the early adopters who tuned in before our audience screw in a way that it has done. And above all, thanks to my co-host, a man mountain of smiles, present tense positivity and a... tonne of metaphors, Mr. James Ware. James, we decided to do this podcast to document these extraordinary times and we do plan to plough on in one form or another after this uh, 30 and 30. But for now, another enjoyable pod in the bank, my friend.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks so much. It's been an absolute pleasure podding with you through these turbulent times. And I have to say, of all the things that I expected to take away from the defining historical experience of our lifetime. An absolutely unforgettable memory of somebody's left shoulder was not (laughs) one of the things that I necessarily would have banked on. But this view that I have of you every night as we record over Skype and you're tucked away in your studio apartment's studio booth there, which means that I get a kind of left on silhouette (laughs) there has become a strangely reassuring vista in this time where not much else is certain. So thanks to your left side and for making all the right moves on the pod. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, because I've got a kind of a cocoon situation, James. It's all about sacrificing face-to-face interaction for the for the greater acoustics. And I, I think, I, you, yeah, you can see my left shoulder, but occasionally I do pop my head back round just to check in when you're on one of your more kind of profound and elongated uh, monologues, just to just to kind of see what's going on. But James, yeah, it's been a pleasure, and, and we will plough on in one form or another. We'll keep you updated. But uh, for now, guys, enjoy the pod. James, we start every edition of London Coronavirus Podcast by sharing what's on our minds as that feels like the right and really the only way to stay sane in these surreal times. And today I wanted to talk about this state of limbo we find ourselves in because this is the new normal, but for how long and how long can we actually cope with it? So... I was thinking about this today, and I was thinking perhaps it's best summarised by the fact that no matter what time you've called me this week on Skype, there's been a Deliveroo pending at any given moment. Now, I worry that I've descended pretty rapidly down from the organic supermarket pairs that I started on in about week one to to where I am now with this chain Deliveroo orders. And, well, part of this is clearly a lack of discipline, James, but without that time frame, of knowing when exactly we're going to be let out. It's hard to know whether this takeaway habit is just a good thing to see me over the lockdown finish line or are we in this for the long haul? In which case, I've got to rethink a few things and I better get back in the avocado section sooner rather than later because this isn't sustainable. But I mean, that's kind of my state of limbo, James. How about yourself?
1: Yeah, you are Skype you in a few minutes. I've got a delivery coming. It's become like the WhatsApp equivalent of an answer phone. <laughs> feel like I'm leaving you a message when I'm greeted by that. Yeah, I think I've sort strangely reached the phase, Dave, where I'm just like mesmerised by such simple things right now. <laughs> like I'm still largely managing to stick to home cooking. I see I'm compensating for the lack of that in my life For the past 28 years, or the lack of me (laughs) doing it, when when I've been the one in charge. So there's still a lot of compensating to be done in that department. But earlier, one of the biggest blessings for me, the longer this goes on, is that I've got a bit of a secret rooftop here, which is like up a fire escape at the top of the building. So technically, it's only fat. But it's perfectly safe. And as long as you don't disturb the neighbours on the top floor, it's really easy to go up there. And there are a few other people doing it. There's this interesting, like, sunbathing face-off about who's got better technique (laughs) when you're up there. Like, there's another couple kind of doing their thing. But I was up there, and obviously, like, to be able to have a space where you can go outside right now Mm. is just, like, the biggest blessing. So feeling uber, uber grateful for that. I was up there in the sunshine, the glorious London weather we had today, this like early summer, and I was looking up, and suddenly I was struck by the fact that one of the chimneys had engraved on it, Champion Chimney, and this like, it sounds bonkers, but because I've had like so little external stimulation and even when you're outside running or on your essential trip to the shop it's not like you're really stopping and looking at things you pass by right everyone's kind of blinkered by the situation whereas suddenly I was like wow this chimney I felt like I'd just discovered a viking helmet on an archaeological dig or something like I was so so fascinated by it and then I kind of had this moment of reflexive reaction a minute later I was like wow is that really what turns me on these days an inscribed (laughs) chimney and the answer to that question
0: is yes yeah that is what gets me going at the moment that's the phase I'm at Well, I've already admitted, James, on London Coronavirus Podcast that the banana stand that kind of holds my fruit together and the stairs from my flat to the front door of the block have given me like an immense source of joy. So I think a champion chimney in comparison is is pretty fair game. What was specifically champion about it or or was it just kind of a self-appointed role?
1: I think it was self-appointed. I think it was like quality control. We're just like, we've got one here. That is an absolute gem, like one of our magnus opuses when they saw that rolling off the factory line. I feel another thing that lots of people are feeling at the moment, Dave, and I don't know if this fits in for you, is that like when people started this lockdown, there was a lot of high ambition, like a lot of big goals. I feel like now people are becoming much more realistic about <laughs> what they're achieving and what they're doing each day. And I think it's important we compare that. And I saw a story today that really got me with my finger on the pulse of coronavirus happenings around the world, especially the weird and wacky ones, which was this European super lightweight champion doing a home workout. And I've done a home workout a few times I did a yoga session today, which I really enjoyed, but I have to say, like, there were moments where I was quite glad if it wasn't a two way stream. Let's put it that way. I wasn't feeling like on top of uh, home workout world, but this guy was live streaming his home workout, Tyson Fury style, to his mm-hmm. boxing fans, went to punch the bag and Ian Hingma the bag being like right come on guys let's give it some home workout welly managed to follow through and punch himself in the eye and give himself a black eye on the live stream (laughs) and not only was this just a classic like you've been framed comedy caper but also I think importantly right now gave me and I hope can give our loyal listeners too a very low benchmark on what's required today because I think if you didn't give yourself a black eye, punching yourself in the face today, <laughs> then you won the day. Like, I will I mean, sign off on that, and I'm sure Dave will co-sign.
0: Absolutely. That's definitely a quarantine. It's a live stream quarantine clumsiness that might be a first to <laughs> the coronavirus podcast. But, James, you're so right. I mean, people started quarantine thinking they were going to learn the cello and Mandarin, and now we're just back to let's try and survive, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I felt really sorry for a friend of mine today when I discovered that actually he's been making sourdough for six years and has been a long-term homemade pasta maker. And it's like, well, what new hobbies are there left for this (laughs) man to take up under the current conditions? He's already exhausted all the options. Like, at, at that stage, he's only got origami left, really. So... I'm feeling happy that there are so many things I hadn't done before in the domestic sense to keep me ticking over. London, coronavirus podcast. Live the so as we all look for increasingly weirder and wonderfuler That's going to be making an appearance in the Oxford English Dictionary by the end of the year, (laughs) along with all the other new words that have come out recently. (laughs) Ways to amuse ourselves during this lockdown limbo. We've had better than ever offerings on the section of the show that is Living the Quarren Dream. And today is no exception. In fact, I think it might be one of our strongest and most symptomatic of the stage of the situation we're at so far. This came from a group group chat I have with a couple of friends. And we were catching up with each other, as you do at the moment, just checking in. And one of my mates sent me a photo of a pan. Now, to the untrained eye, this was just a pan on a hob simmering away. (laughs) But when the caption came through, I realised that, I was witnessing history in the making. I was witnessing, if they say it takes 10,000 hours to become a master of something, mm. this pan was not an inconsiderable amount down that pathway. Because what the caption said was 96-hour ragu. Now, I know that we're all taking things slowly <laughs> at the moment, enjoying having time to do the slow things. I've heard of slow cooking But that is super slow cooking, super slow motion. And then amazingly, this escalated from there because my other friend was like, mate, you made it to 96 hours. Surely you've got to get to 120 now, only one more day. Nice round number that. And my friend was like, yeah, fair enough. I'll whack some baked beans in and give it another day. That's tomorrow's dinner. (laughs) So I believe that tonight, as we speak, in fact, Dave, he is consuming a 120-hour ragu, a dish (laughs) that has been in the making for almost as long as the protagonist survived in 127 hours, trapped (laughs) under that rock, just to give you some context. And I thought that... That was brilliant because it was a living the Quarren dream that really captured where we are right now. You couldn't have had that a couple of weeks ago. There wasn't that sense of long term lockdown limbo. But right now, people are looking ahead and getting more and more ambitious with the hours that
0: they have. I think you're absolutely right. When you said a couple of weeks ago, James, it felt like there was a sense of urgency. You know, if you had a hobby, if you had something you really wanted to do during this time, you had to get it done now, right? Because we're going to be out of this soon and, you know, th- we'll be back to our normal lives. But now we're in this state where, you know what, there's no rush. And if you want to spend 96 plus hours cooking a dish, then so be it. I've got to say, I admire that, that patience and that calmness to, to do that. Because when I see a meal, a ready meal that, you know, says 30 to 45 minutes of cooking time, James, I'm, you know... Very, very impatient and slightly disappointed. So, mm. 96 hours, I tip my metaphorical cap. Coronavirus
1: and this long term lockdown living seems to be all the rage right now. It's applying across the board. And it came up again today, Dave, in our pandemic purchase. Now, this is the part of the show where we hear about the weirder and wackier things that people have been buying that they probably wouldn't have put in their shopping cart if it wasn't for the situation we all find ourselves in. And today's is Particularly home grown effort. Pandemic purchases.
0: Hello, I hope you're all having a productive pandemic. So my pandemic purchasing, or stockpiling, I should say, has been soil. It's not something I've traditionally bought. In fact, I don't think I've ever bought it before. But I looked at my little house plants and I felt sorry for them. So I to top up their soil. But I actually got the measurements wrong. So I end up buying four litres and then four litres and then 12 litres. So I actually accidentally got 20 litres of soil delivered to my place um, to replenish my little plants because they deserve it. <laughs> Easily done. Easily done. A pandemic purchase that you never thought you would previously have bought. And very easy to get those measurements incorrect as well, James.
1: Yeah, easy to get slippery fingers on the soil (laughs) purchasing front. Easy to get that kind of twitching reflex. That just falls into the category of thing, Dave, which we also seem to keep coming across at the moment, where like normally 20 litres of soil ordered to be delivered to your house Alarm bells, like surely like, you know, kind of a WhatsApp group being like, guys, has everyone spoken to this person? We should all check in <laughs> right now. Almost had to get off my chair to give that a standing ovation, mm. like mm. planning that far ahead for caring to your houseplants in an uncertain time of soil supply. Like, I just feel that we've completely inverted the response to hearing what your friends are up to. And I'm not sure it will ever quite be the same again. Like, I think also that people were feeling, like you were saying, when there was that real isolation impetus a few weeks ago, that, like, you've got to get these things done now, I think that that still applies a little bit, while it's still unclear what the time frame on this is going to be. And there's still a sense of like wanting to get certain things done before that comes to an end, which could happen suddenly, as unlikely as that seems. We never know. But I also think that there's got to be a legacy from this, that at least for the foreseeable, you're going to have more post-lockdown leeway for just indulging in like weird, unusual hobbies and ordering because I can't see that going away overnight. Like my mind is so altered in hearing things that I don't think it's just gonna swing back. There's not gonna be a flick of a switch. So I think that for those of you who've been like kind of closet hobbyists of certain things for a few years, the good news is like the jury is very much still out for the foreseeable, I think anyway.
0: Next up on London Coronavirus Podcast, we have a pretty popular feature of the show in the previous 29 episodes. And episode 30 is certainly no different. And it seems fitting, James, that today we would have our very own Stefan the Sinner slinking back into the confession booth to offload his sin. Stefan from Stuttgart has been something of a regular. We've embraced we've allowed, we've accepted, and we certainly have not judged him when he's spoken. So without further ado, I will let Stefan take it away with his coronavirus confession.
2: Hi everyone. This is Stefan from Germany again. um, When I sit down nowadays every evening to watch TV, I arrange some pillows on the couch next to me uh, to to look like there's another human. (laughs) I even open up a beer for them. And then sometimes when I laugh and look across, I get nothing back. Well, I think that's how it is these days. But I will be okay. We all will be. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Churchillian end to that I thought James I'll be okay pause we all will be I mean that is that. Yeah, quite something I mean Stefan's always always welcome whenever he wants and, and what can you say this has been a kind of Stefan's evolving confessions James because we saw him or we heard about him 10 days ago setting out a play setting for a fictitious person and now he's just watching the telly and having a beer with an equally fictitious human
1: Yeah, I just applaud Stefan's creativity. And for lots Mm. of us, this has been a creative outlet. And I've enjoyed the way that Stefan's oeuvre has evolved throughout this period, that he's found such inventive ways to provide that company for himself. And I I really admire that right now. I like that he's kind of resorted. He's reinvented. We saw around the world photos of... Different places, including India, where they were using coronavirus scarecrows to scare mm. people into staying in, right? It's kind of a warning signal to do that. Whereas I like that Stefan has reappropriated the coronavirus scarecrow into a comrade. <laughs> like, I-, I thought that was a particularly artistic maneuver in his never ending quest throughout this to keep himself company and I'm really glad he's finding things that work for him because I think that's most important for all of us right now. And at the end there, it sounded like a mix between an audio play equivalent of a horror movie. And like (laughs) increasingly as we've got these updates from Stefan and we always appreciate him and he's always welcome back in the (laughs) beef. But it also like has a hint of like one of those old school things where they just gave someone a video camera to kind of <laughs> self-tape themselves through. their project? Yeah, yeah. It really feels like it's happened to that. And I was just seeing tonight that there's breaking news out of Germany that Angela Merkel has announced how they're going to sort of begin easing down their rules there and that from the 3rd of May, they may well be relaxing social distancing rules. And I I feel like the second roll of tape that we send Stefan to shoot on is going to be equally fascinating. I'm very intrigued by his coronavirus come-down confessions as he comes (laughs) out the other side. So I, I hope he'll be serving us those exclusives too.
0: That last line, James... I'll be okay. We all will be. I don't know whether he was talking to himself, to the pillow creation next to him, to London Coronavirus podcast or to the planet. But either way, there was a definite sense of isolation and unity merged into one uh, bizarre couch-sitting cocktail. So as you say, James, we we do hope to hear from Stefan again in the future, above and beyond uh, our 30th pod. So yeah, that, that, uh, that, that seat in the confession booth is always open. We are fortunate enough today on podcast number 30 to have a second confession, James. So this one is a little bit closer to home. This is uh, Lottie from Little Hampton. And I'm just going to let Lottie take it away with her coronavirus confession.
2: My corona confession is very petty and makes me sound really bad. But I know that my neighbour doesn't like me very much for various reasons. So whenever I hear her trying to go outside on her balcony, I go into the garden um, just because I know me being in there will piss her off.
0: Well, (laughs) two things that I took away from that, James. First of all, there's no such thing as a petty confession. In fact, uh, the pettier, the better as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Also saying my neighbour doesn't like me and then squeezing in that for various reasons, just kind of suggest that perhaps this is a two-way street. But alas, Lottie's confession, it was a good one because it opens up a new avenue, James. It's something that I'm sure a lot of people are dealing with. And the fact that a vast, well, a big chunk of this country doesn't necessarily live in, you know, countries, uh, in uh, houses, rather I should say, in the countryside. They live in, you know, flats and apartments or houses very very close together. So inevitably, during lockdown, you're going to be spending more time uh, looking and kind of sensing your neighbour's presence than you usually would do.
1: Yeah, it's definitely not been a good time to have noisy neighbours. That's for sure. And I think lots of people's experience of lockdown might have been defined more than they would have liked. By their neighbourly setup. Like above me, actually, Dave, whenever I'm checking the audio for the show on my microphone here in the lockdown studio, it has a knack of like, even when I'm not speaking, there will be like little sound waves coming up, and I'll be like, what is that? And it's them upstairs who have an amazing knack. I want to know what cereal those children have for breakfast <laughs> because it is the ultimate breakfast of champions from beyond dawn till dusk I mean several hours either side they're product (laughs) testing what must be the world's greatest jungle gym up there it makes (laughs) like the it's a knockout course sounds like it really wasn't designed by anyone who knew their way around an obstacle and at times it like amazingly sounds like they're managing to like multiply the number of people that are upstairs without breaking any of the rules, which also seems impressive. So I certainly feel like I felt the neighborly impact too. Another friend of mine on Facebook managed to become engaged in this standoff with not a direct next door neighbor, on this, like, community forum, like this community chat room for his local community. He lives not too far away from you in South London, Dave. And he'd got this report, I don't know how he'd come across it, that he'd been, like, slow cooking a barbecue and had been, like, posting photos on his Instagram, like, yeah, what should we go, barbecue boss? And then somehow I'd later come across this post from this lady saying, like, barbecues are a disgrace like people shouldn't have them without thinking of their neighbours and became engaged in this really really long standoff with them in the chat room with lots of other neighbours chipping in so neighbourly tensions boiling over not just in focal forums right now and I think we've heard a lot about some of the lovely gestures from people's neighbours like I know my parents have have really lovely neighbours offering to do their shopping and help them out so really grateful for that and hear lots of amazing stories like that but I think it's also been a time to to really test neighbourly diplomacy recently I I don't know if you've had any similar experiences
0: yeah I think if anyone that's ever lived in London James for a period of time will have like a nightmare neighbour story right like mm. everyone can tell you that story simply because we do all live on top of each other. But actually, my the little block that I'm in where there's only four flats, uh, I was pleasantly surprised when this all kind of kicked off a month ago. And I just put a note on the inside of the doors. I know lots of lots of blocks of flats have done just saying if anyone needs anything, here's my number because um, I've been away. So I didn't really know who was still living in, the, in this block and uh you know straight away the other members of the uh, the flat just uh, just wrote their their names and numbers and said anything anything you need just just give us a shout and i just thought that was just four blocks of flats uh, all all coming together in, in in unison so it was um i know there's a million other stories like that but i right now i'm lucky i've got, I've got some lovely neighbours in where i live in london
2: london coronavirus
0: Podcast. next up on London coronavirus Podcast, we segue slightly to get some more practical and experts' advice. And we've been really, really lucky, James, throughout London Coronavirus podcast, the first 30 pods, to have on hand a world leading psychotherapist, Camilla Simpson, who's offered some fabulous practical advice, some profound tips and a little bit of humour as well into love the coronavirus podcast. So I will let Camilla take it away with her tips on how to deal with this bizarre past, present and future tense situation we're in and how to plot and plan for the future, which is so uncertain. So here is Camilla with her top tips for isolation.
2: I'm Miller Simpson and I'm a psychotherapist specialising in the treatment of addiction and mental health disorders. Some of us will have reached the stage where if one more person asks us to focus on the present moment, they'll regret the consequences. Amongst the flurry of newly designed hashtags, TikToks and self-isolation memes, there is one thing which has brought mankind together like never before, worldwide adversity. But can we find wisdom in this? Here are six tips which I believe can help all of us during this unprecedented time. Number one, you can't control what will happen tomorrow, and it's better that way. If we had known what 2020 would have been like, we would have spent 2019 trying to prevent it, hindering our enjoyment. Number two, you can't control what happens, just how you respond. The only way to influence the outcome is by focusing on the things you have the power to control. And I suggest you control them to the absolute max. 3. Adversity distorts reality, but it does crystallise the truth. We now see what's really important to us, and has also shed light on our beliefs. Maybe now we have new beliefs. 4. Loss amplifies the value of what remains. We have been forced to take stock of what we have and now is a good time to liberate ourselves from petty or irrelevant matters and celebrate what we do have. Gratitude is an attitude and helps to shift our focus. Number five. It's easier to create new dreams than cling to broken ones. Adversity destroys some dreams and renders others unlikely. But this also provides an opportunity to house clean to pack the old dreams away, and create and design new ones like never before. Number six. Your happiness is much more important than writing injustices. Assigning blame to those who did stockpile Lou roll is futile. Hopefully by now we'll see that. Just a reminder, we are all stronger than we think, and we have, and will continue to, cope. So... In the meantime, stay safe, stay connected, and I'll see you on the other side.
0: Fabulous words, as always, from Camilla James. And I love her sign-off as well, which is becoming rather an iconic feature of London Coronavirus podcast. And specifically when Camilla was talking about creating new dreams being a better option than clinging to old ones. I think it's a really difficult thing to internalise, but it's just so much healthier and actually really, really necessary as well. I mean, so so many dreams have been shattered by this, and yes, some will be able to be repaired and brought back together in a post-corona world, but sometimes it's just better closing one chapter and looking at new opportunities. And and as well, of course, Camilla talking about gratitude and, and happiness and focusing on what's important and all the rest of the good stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, so much wisdom as ever from her there, Dave. I think I'm going to have to pull that one up on repeat and just listen to it mm. on on shuffle with itself on my phone to be able to really be able to get anywhere close to all that there was on offer there. But I think it's so true that like it can be easy to get frustrated right now, but just focusing on the things that we can control and really maxing those out is just a super simple but really effective way if we do it in a self-aware way to feel better about the day than like when it feels like we are kind of like spiraling out a little bit in our day-to-day right now. So I think that seems especially valuable to me as people deal with this and also like the lockdown limbo that we're finding ourselves in, like you're saying so correctly, one of the hardest things right now is there being no sense of time frame. If we could create our own DIY advent calendar, counting down to when we were let out, or I remember when I was a really, really young kid, my mum used to make us these flags to count down to our birthdays with, like, straws. <laughs> I mean, they weren't like they weren't like big flags, like walking into an Olympic opening ceremony. <laughs> they were just like made out of straws with little pieces of paper, little mini pocket flags. And each day would be like, okay, like the month countdown to your birthday. You know, if you can make yourself some straw flags right now to count down to being let out and sort of a return to somewhat normal life, I think it would be much easier for us all mentally. But obviously that isn't the situation we find ourselves in. But I think when we do focus on the present as much as it gets annoying with all those like cliched hashtags and TikToks that Camilla mentioned, if we can just do that, it's funny how much more bearable and actually even enjoyable... The situation can be, even though we don't have a time frame to work with right
0: now. You know, James. Every time I get a glimpse into the Ware household and that image of you all having, you know, massive Olympic flags counted down to your birthday, <laughs> it makes me—it makes me get ever so closer to the idea that your mum should obviously have her own podcast. You know, that—that—that's—that's that's where I'm at with my analysis of the Ware household. But also, I thought what was interesting, James, is Camilla talking about. You know, we didn't see this coming, and it's better that we didn't. And I know what she, I know what she's saying there because I had a fantastic 2019. And I know from knowing you personally as a friend, you had a great year as well, right? You know, yeah. an amazing year. And I, I wouldn't have wanted to know throughout all of 2019 what was coming. Yeah, I, I understand the the flip side that we could have been better prepared, but that you know. We were never gonna know about this. And I yeah, I would not wanted to have known. I enjoyed my blissful, free, happy 2019. And 2020's brought its own challenges and we're trying to face up to those day by day as best we can. But yeah, it's it's present tense. It always has to be.
1: Completely, and I think it's easy because this is such an extreme unexpected situation for us to feel like it's like this totally. Different phenomenon, right? Mm. And it kind of is in terms of our experience for sure, as we've said time and time again, and we're all feeling so much as we move through this together. But I think also, as Camilla kind of touched on really articulately there, this is like life, right? It is life. It's a weird life experience, but like Mm. other life experiences, we can't see it coming and we've got to work through it in the best way we can and it also will change right it will yeah. change however much yeah. it doesn't feel like that time just like all the other good and bad experiences in our life and i think like as extreme as this one is and as unwanted as it might feel reminding ourselves or reminding myself that it is like other things in life in that that sense even though it's very unique in others is also helpful in to working with there. London Coronavirus Podcast. And now, as we hit the home straight of another episode here of London Coronavirus Podcast, it's time for the warm, fuzzy feeling towards the finish line. That is Coronavirus Kindness, which today comes to us from a supermarket, a place which has occupied... Far more time in the podcast than it has in our actual lives doing our essential shots, Dave. And today's coronavirus kindness is a fantastic story which has emerged from the key workers' shopping hour and a nurse by the name of Isabel Smithson had had to jump the queue at her local Aldi because she had to get to her shift and was feeling guilty about having to do this, even though she had the ultimate reason to have to do that right now. But then she was left stunned when a kind stranger, a teacher who was also there at the keyworkers shopping hour, had left £50 in cash in her trolley to pay for her shopping as a small gesture of thanks for the work she was doing. And initially she felt sort of too embarrassed and and almost refused to accept this. But this primary school head teacher, Luke Welsh, insisted and the kind gesture was followed through. So her shopping was paid for. So as much as like some of the huge campaigns have been fantastic that we've seen, I think these really small direct ways of showing gratitude just on a personal level, to people on Frontline, are also really moving. And I couldn't wrap this segment today without giving any listeners who haven't seen the news today an update on Captain Tom, who featured yesterday, who is powering not only down his 100 laps of his garden, which apparently he's going to finish by this Thursday, way ahead of schedule. I hope he's got some other good Hobbies to take up before his 100th birthday. He's going to be on the sourdough bandwagon at this rate. But unbelievably, is honing in, as we record, on hitting eight figures, hitting the £10 million Insane. fundraising mark, which is utterly bonkers and just shows how someone doing something more and inspirational can move people so profoundly as it has for him. And it, apparently there's also a campaign for him to be knighted, which <laughs> I Why not? Could, he, he's going to be really working that power walk into Buckingham Palace if that goes through. But just an absolutely incredible effort that I think weirdly sums up and typifies some of the amazing, amazing gestures... And goodwill that have come out of this situation the past few weeks.
0: London Coronavirus Podcast. We end every edition of London Coronavirus Podcast with a quote, something hopefully that you could take a little bit of value from into the next 24 hours. And today, James, I was thinking about how this is such a crap situation. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the only way to deal with this is to reframe it into some kind of challenge, right? And... This is an opportunity to change some things about your situation or change some things about your habits or your life and listen no one's kind of downplaying this no one's being deluded but I'm just seeking a bit of rational optimism and this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity to properly change or fix things that you that you always kind of said I'll do it next year next month like whatever now you do have the the, the time and the um, you know you can look uh, you can look into yourself a little bit more so I, I was left with this quote. We are being presented with two choices, evolve or repeat.